and we are live. Hello. Very Hi. nice to see you all. Um, I'm going to introduce myself first because I always forget that. I'm Diana. I'm a life coach, insight coach, health coach, things like that. And today I'm talking with Chiara and I'm very happy that you're here with me. Uh, Chiara is also a coach and we've decided to see where this conversation leads us. So we'll just talk about some things that could be of interest to you or maybe not. You'll find out when you listen. Um, so how's your day been today? For you, it's quite early still, I think. Yes, it is. It's morning. Um, it has been a great morning so far. Um, been having some great time with my dogs, spent some time outside. It is not ridiculously hot. It's overcast. So it is nice and shaded, <laughs> even though the sunrise was really pretty behind the clouds, all the clouds, I, you know, stayed cool. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty warm still down here in Texas, uh, in the US. So it's early and warm. Um, but it's been a great day. Cool. Yeah, here it's cold in the UK, despite it being the south of England where I live. It's pretty cold. We mm -hmm. only have in Celsius one digit numbers now, and I don't know what that oh, is wow. in Fahrenheit. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, uh, they say it's going to freeze soon, but it's mm. it's pretty cold. It's still really pretty day because we had sunshine on the leaves and everything. So all these yellow and red leaves and then the sunshine on that's really pretty. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's nearly four o'clock now. So my day is nearly ending. Yeah. Um, you said a few things earlier when we were talking before we started about body work and um, life being a performance and things like that. And that's all really interesting. I think that the life being a performance will probably be tickling people's minds the most as that's not the most common view on life. Mm -hmm. Would you like to talk a little bit about how you see that? What your thoughts Absolutely. are? Absolutely. Cool. <laughs> so um, a little bit of background. I was a dancer, performer, choreographer when I was at uni um, and then got out of university and life happened. Um, I ended up becoming a caretaker for my parents, well, for my dad um, through his cancer journey um, and then tried to get back my own life um, back on track after that. Um, after he passed in 2013. So I was on my own track of trying to figure out, okay, let's get back in. What do I want to do with life? Yeah. And decided um, about 2017 to go and get my master's degree. And that was in art and trying to figure out, okay, what, what do I want to do with this? What do I want to research? What do I want to learn about art or about myself? And I was at a, at a school that allowed me to create my own program. And in talking to all of the professors there and like learning about the people that were there, I realized that the, the common thing is that we're all just trying to create this best life for ourselves. And in that came the realization of, okay, what if I looked at this life as a performance, being a dancer, being used to being on stage knowing that, okay, when I go onto stage, I have this confidence, I have this love, I have this passion that comes out. What would it look like if I treated life that way every day? Um, so <laughs> then through my research and through my studies and, and kind of getting deeper into my art practice through my program, I just tried to see what would happen 
if I treated life as a performance? And then the realization came of, okay, well, it's not just me treating life as a performance. In actuality, life is a performance. We have the choice to go right or left on a stage. And you're, when you're dancing, you can choose to change the choreography. You can choose to follow the choreography. In life, we can choose to follow what we think we should do by society or by our own standards, or we can veer totally a different direction and say, I'm going to take this direction with my life. And I think that's also what got me into coaching is, hey, how can we figure out what show we want to put on for ourselves? And it's not even for the external audience, it's for Mm. ourselves. Um, And a little bit about that is also like my home style of dance is belly dance, which is tribal belly dance, which is all about performance for the self. So the idea of performing, not for an outside audience, but performing for the inside, performing for yourself, what feels good, then that really allowed me to connect the whole life as a performance together. That is a really cool way of looking at it. I really like it. Yeah. Because whatever you do, when you do it for yourself, you will most of the time have others watching, whether you like it or not. People Mm -hmm. are always going to be around you, whether it's your family, whether it's strangers. When you walk through a park, someone will see you. It's rarely that empty that nobody will see you. <laughs> and most people, when they would be alone, they would, you know, what I've seen, I've seen that happen. I've done it myself. Just dance a bit more. Step goes easier when I know nobody's watching. And it's better than it used to be. But there were times where when, other, when I knew other people would, there, would be there, I would definitely behave properly and I would just do things as was expected and then when that one knew nobody was there i would do something different mm-hmm. but that's you know cutting yourself quite short yeah. it doesn't serve you in any way basically so you're looking at it from that perspective makes it how in my head that then does so how can i do give the best performance at every time yeah. which would mean dancing through the park and, and despite people being there instead of just mousing through (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is a very different way of of living so it makes it makes for much more excitement yeah I think it also allows um so like the idea of performances like you do a performance again and again and again you know you go to a show they're doing the same thing over and over day after day and Each show, even though it's the same, it's going to be different. The energy from the crowd, the energy from the dancers, whoever, maybe there's an understudy that comes in. And in that single performance, everybody's really just giving their best job that they can do that day. And I think that's what let me realize, okay, well, I don't have to be better than I was 10 years ago. I don't have to be my best, you know, to to some other standards. It's just, what can I do today that is the best version of me? And to be able to release that preconceived idea of I need to be the best, I need to be better, I mm-hmm. need like in an allowance of okay, today's performance, whatever it may be, whatever it happens, um, I'm just going to be the best me that I can be at this moment, and so it it takes out the I think the the focus of well, what if I can't do this today? Or what if I'm in pain? If I have an injury or, you know, all these other things that that we put ourselves down for. And it kind of helps to subdue that voice, that inner voice, Mm. that inner critic. Yeah. 
because we all have that inner critic yes <laughs> and it's yes. usually not the most gentle yeah. <laughs> one of the things that i realized some years ago was that my inner critic is worse than what anybody else would ever tell me which oh yeah you think of ha huh, i will have to do something about that because when i can be forgiving towards others i should be just as forgiving to myself mm -hmm. that's been working i um so one of the things that i learned many years ago and could not um i could not internalize that at that point and later on when it came back to me i thought actually that's quite quite right that just doing things good is good enough i don't have mm -hmm. to be perfect about things because perfectionism is quite paralyzing but when i mm -hmm. do it right you know just right nothing i just do it mm -hmm. and it, i can read it and it looks decent that's okay it doesn't have to be the best performance of my life you know this mm -hmm. And then there's the daily practice. That was an interesting thing as well, because any performance. So I've seen some things where it was very different one day than it was the other. Yet it was both really good. It was both really interesting. So, so my kids did some stage things in, in drama classes. And then they were practicing and practicing. And that was quite the mess with lots of giggles and everything, which was really good. <laughs> and then we would think of, I don't know how they'll ever pull this off because it's just been a giggling mess the whole whatever time it was of practicing. But then when they did it for public, it was there. Mm -hmm. It may not have been exactly the way it was written out, but it was there and it was good and it was fun. And it was the same with when they would make uh, short videos because they've done some some filming and things like that in their classes. Same thing. It would be lots and lots of giggles until they would actually film it. And then most of the time, first time was quite good. Well, nice. And then it was this thing of, yeah, let's not film anymore. We're good now. <laughs> <laughs> it's good enough. But they, uh -huh. they could accept that, that, yeah, it's good enough. It's fine. Yeah. It gives the message in a nice way. We don't have to make a lot of perfectionism about it. Mm -hmm. that's, that's been really interesting to see how in their, the group that they participate in, that that was okay. Yeah. And then there were others that were more perfectionist and that would sometimes clash a bit because mm -hmm. then they didn't feel the performance was good enough because I've, I've been I've been seeing in different groups how some people want to give that amazing performance mm -hmm. every day all the time mm -hmm. and that don't take care of themselves yeah are constantly stressed out are constantly struggling so one of my kids has a friend who will not go for any less than straight A's. Mm. But with that, it's always struggling mm -hmm. because it's super time consuming. And then when it's an A minus, the upset is crazy. That can you know, just mm. as if the whole world has just collapsed, which is quite sad. And my kids have to say, B will do. <laughs> and I think, yeah, it's okay, B will do. Mm. <laughs> to be fair, nobody's ever asked me for my grades they've only just asked whether I passed so yeah <laughs> and I actually didn't even go for the bees <laughs> passed that was enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's been was back then secondary school pass was enough after that I changed a bit in that because I had my straight A's type type of time as well I think we mm -hmm. all go through these phases but oh yes yeah <laughs> exploring that perfectionist exploring the study hard studying and yeah yeah but when it's a topic that I really like, it's also different because I just enjoy what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. and that means that I tend to just end up with the A's instead of 
lower because it's just fascinating to do. But when it's something that I'm not all that interested in, then a pass will do, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> I've been looking like lately, I've been doing a lot of tasks mm-hmm. that are not the funnest, you know, paying bills, mm-hmm. <laughs> washing the like- dogs. <laughs> things like that it's like I, things I don't really want to do sometimes mm-hmm. and I've been trying to to figure out how to look at those those tasks differently so I've been sitting in the word upside down liminality mm-hmm. for a little bit um, the last few days just to kind of be like okay what if I looked at this a different way how could I make mm-hmm. it fun yeah. um, like washing the dogs it's like okay well if I take them outside it's still warm out here so if we get wet together it's okay yep. <laughs> so, yeah yeah, I've had one of those realizations at some point that even when I'm doing the dishes, there is a purpose to it mm. because it serves the rest because I live with a crowd. And that makes it from a different perspective that I can see more of a, yeah, the use and purpose in it instead of, Ugh, I hate dishes. Mm. I normally have a machine doing that for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then kids filling and emptying. Yeah, so I tend to avoid it completely. But sometimes when the machine, you know, or I need something, yeah, the machine can only handle so much at a time. So sometimes yes. there's something that's still standing there. But then, you know, when I want to cook some nice food, I will mm. need that pan. And yeah, about a couple of years ago, I would get really frustrated and irritated. And now I can have peace with that much more mm. than I used to. So that's that's an interesting thing as well, isn't how can how can you look at it from a different angle? Yeah. And I do like looking at things from a different angle. I like playing the devil's advocate at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I struggle with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was about to say it's hard sometimes, especially when you're doing it to yourself. <laughs> that's the hardest, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely had that moment. Um now living with 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 my fiance it's like okay we're washing dishes we're doing the house chores that that I've always done by myself mm-hmm. and it's like why do I feel angry when I'm doing dishes why am I upset when I'm cleaning and it's just like oh there's something there that I need to look at and it's just okay how can we look at this a different way like what's going on here and it was a big realization of now sharing a space with somebody when I mean I have siblings, but I grew up almost as a as an only child because they're so much older than I am. Mm. So I never experienced having to live with somebody and share that responsibility. Um, so now it's like, oh, I'm I felt like I was only doing the dishes by myself, or I felt like I was cleaning when there was somebody else else living here and and having to look at it a different way. What are we looking at? What are how are we sharing the responsibilities of living together? And mm. you know, what is he doing versus what am I doing? Yeah. So it was really interesting asking those questions to myself of okay, let's look at this a different way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've um, I've had conversations with people and with myself about those kind of things. And it always is a bit of a give and take because nobody will every day perform to their best. So when you have agreements on you do this and I do that, and one of them is not performing, that can get tricky. Mm. Frequently, there's a reason. So when you're just curious about what happened, you get to the bottom of it, and then usually it's not really a problem. It's the the thoughts of, oh, they're not doing what they're supposed to do, and they're out to get me, (laughs) which is rarely the case, because Mm -hmm. that's not the way people roll in general. 
I've had a, I've read an article about that a while ago, how the craziest of things that happen in the world, people tend to do with the best of intentions, but mm -hmm. that's based on their thoughts. They may not be good thoughts, but their thought process leads them there and they don't mean bad. Mm. I've even read that about a serial killer where I thought, goodness, actually yeah. he was not really trying to cause trouble. Mm. This was someone who, I don't know name or anything anymore because it's a while ago I read it, but it was um, a serial killer that would kill prostitutes. Mm. But that was from the thought of that the world would be a better place without them. Wow. He didn't think about their families or anything. Yeah. He just figured that the world would be a better place without prostitutes. Now, that's definitely also debatable. But he had good intentions while mm -hmm. killing, I don't know how many women. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's definitely not good what he did. But his th thought process was not mm -hmm. going through a, I'm going to murder people type of thing. I'm yeah. going to. And I've, I've read, um, Alice Miller has written a book about different people and how how they're how they ended up doing what they were doing and that was really interesting as well and I'm, i don't know the title anymore but she wrote some really interesting stuff about the psychology mm. behind what people would do she's mm. a she was a psychoanalyst she's not with us anymore but yeah she was very interesting to uh to read her her books oh, sounds so interesting yeah oh she wrote wrote about the childhood of adolf hitler as well oh wow yeah how he got to where he became where he ended mm. up being what created those thoughts and and those wishes in him fascinating to read yeah <laughs> what, wow. what certain of you know actions that people do to children what kind of effects they have in the long term mm -hmm. is really fascinating yeah yeah so that's a whole lot of performance in life again parenting mm. yeah yeah that's quite the journey i think it's it's definitely the I've seen a lot of women who are parents trying to be that perfection. The perfectionist is coming out and it's just in, in, you know, earlier this year, I saw um, one of our fellow coaches tell, tell, you know, this new mom say, it's okay to not be perfect. And it's okay to do just the best that you can today. And that hit me. I don't have any kids yet, but that hit me so hard. And I was like, Oh, that's right. It's okay to, to, to have the dishes be dirty it's okay to not do all the laundry that day and it's okay to take a nap when the baby's like yeah it's, it's <laughs> you should take a nap when yeah. the baby's sleeping because you can only do that with the first yeah. after that that luxury's gone <laughs> and to be honest yeah. at some point i adopted the strategy of okay they're happy they've been fed we're good yeah <laughs> And everything like that was all right. We're good. You know, I didn't have to because there were days where it just wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And as long as they were fed and reasonably clean and reasonably happy, it was all good. Yeah. Because when you look at how we evolved in tribal communities, it was mostly about food and spending time together. Yeah. You know, I, I read the book, The Continuum Concept, that's about the Iquana and how they live. Well, they weren't really all that much into cleaning because they lived in huts in the Amazon. Mm. So there was a lot of dust there. So cleaning was not that much of a thing. But these people were just living, doing their thing. And it wasn't really about a lot of rules and things like that. 
It's about mm. chilling out more than anything else. I could do that. And yeah. as, my, as I have three adult children now, I can safely say it was a good choice to not do a lot of parenting, but mostly be with them. Yeah. So. I like that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yep. It was an experiment, I guess, because I wasn't raised that way and people weren't doing it around me much, but it worked out really well. Mm. Some of the friends that I used to have did not end up with the relationship with their kids that I have. Mm. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. And then some other friends did do it as well, because slowly but carefully you start meeting other people who are just as nuts. And there you see, yep, it does work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because most of these friends that I create, friendships that I created, they, their children are also adults now. Mm. And they all still have a pretty good relationship with their kids. So. Yeah. Nice. Which is another performance again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good to hear that because I think for me, I always had great relationships with my parents and I was so close to my mom before she passed. And I always wonder like, how, how did we do that? How did that relationship form? Cause I see other, other, mm -hmm. you know, people my age, they don't have the relationships with their parents. You know, my mom and I could talk about anything mm -hmm. and we were always open with each other. We always like, no matter what the topic was. And with my other friends, they're like, well, I don't talk to my parents about that. I wouldn't talk to my mom about that. And it's mm -hmm. like, well, who do you talk to about that then? Like, where do you go, you know, if you don't have that relationship? And that always makes me wonder, like, oh, I, I would love to have that relationship with my kids to where whatever the conversation topic is, they can come mm -hmm. and ask me or talk to me and yep. just to explore together. That's where I've ended up, yeah, because my kids still come to me and the oldest is 28. So whenever there's something, she's just saying, mom, and they think, okay, let's see. <clears throat> but what I've always done, is that the relationship with them came first. Mm. So I'd rather teach than punish because I found that punishments weren't very educational. So I'd rather have a deep conversation with them about things than send them to their room because what are you going to learn from being sent to your room mm. that you need to sneak around behind their backs better next time. Mm. <laughs> and that's what I saw around me a lot. And that's just what I didn't want. I wanted to have that relationship where they would come with everything because I didn't have that with my mom so I wanted to create it mm -hmm. and I think I have to a reasonable extent in the meantime mm -hmm. yep. it's not all perfect but whatever yeah. will be so yeah but when there's something they always talk I've mm -hmm. heard things that I thought I did not really want to notice but yeah let's go talk about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know kids do things and then regret things and then need to talk about it and they've not been much worse than I was. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I was sure my kids are going to be way worse than I was. <laughs> and that's okay too. Yeah. Because they have to be who they have to be. One mm -hmm. of my kids has done things that I haven't done. And I don't think I ever will. So, yeah. But the rest of them, no, they're pretty. And it was just the old time. You know, it wasn't an ongoing mm -hmm. thing where there was mm -hmm. trouble or anything. It was... Yeah, you have these things that happen sometimes out of your yeah. control. That's okay too. Yep. Yeah. So, allows them to grow, allows you to grow in the relationship as well. So. Yes, because at times it's really difficult 
when you see that they're making mistakes to not mm -hmm. try to stop them from it mm -hmm. but you know you can have the conversation but don't tell them to stay home because they will either do it or not mm -hmm. and when they do it they mess up they probably learn way more from it than when they don't do it because you told them not to do it yeah so it's one of those things that um, I had with my 19-year-old a conversation recently about making mistakes and how people learn so much from mm -hmm. that and so little from not making mistakes. Mm -hmm. And then we talked a bit about Elon Musk because, you know, he's, <laughs> he spent a lot of money on mistakes. <laughs> and, um, of course, the man's not perfect. Nobody is. But that view of that mistakes are learning experiences. I don't mm -hmm. think even think he calls them mistakes. I think he calls it learning. I, I'm not really sure. I've seen an interview with him a while ago. And it was really interesting how he views that very different. Because when you see it as a mistake, as a fault, as something that you've done wrong, yeah. you're much less likely to try something like that again mm -hmm. and learn and grow as when you see it as a learning experience as an oof that went wrong okay what exactly went wrong how can we do that better next time it's yeah. a very different perspective than just feeling bad about having made a mistake mm -hmm. so yeah interesting stuff i was listening to a ted talk the other day and this woman who was doing the, the conversation was talking about how you know there's very few things that you can turn away from after making a mistake or after having a learning experience and she was like you know choose make a choice and if it's the wrong one then pivot <laughs> or change your mind or you know take the different job do the different house or yep. and and she was like short of you know having a kid there's very few things that you cannot pivot away from and change your mind about she was like so take the risk mm -hmm. learn yep. if it doesn't work out then change and I think a lot of people are actually struggling with that. Mm -hmm. I think that's what brings a lot of people to a coach. Yeah. Because they feel they've made a choice and now they have to stick with it. No, you don't. <laughs> There's so many ways of changing your mind. And, you know, we all, as we learn, we grow and we change. Mm -hmm. I've known people who've changed their way. They looked at nutrition completely from one side of the spectrum to the other. Or... Um, you know, all sorts of other things, as in, I like these kind of people, this kind of music. No, they change their mind. And over time, to be fair, I like a lot of different types of music, but at different times, certain music is better for me than other music. So, yeah. you know, and that's with with life as well. Mm -hmm. Lived in three different countries, changed a lot in my life. <laughs> yeah. And it's been been quite good because every change, you figure out more things about yourself and about people around you. Mm -hmm. so it's always kind of good so yeah and yeah a kid that's pretty much the only thing that you can't really you can't put them back yeah <laughs> so yeah you're stuck with that but even there with a child you can start in a certain way of parenting and then thinking no 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 no, no. i'm gonna chill out more because yeah. i started trying to be perfect about it and doing everything the right way and all sorts of stuff and then realized, yeah, my kid's not really cooperating with that. Uh, babies don't really think that way, it looks like. So I changed my mind and decided to parent differently. And that worked out way better. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, I had all sorts of ideas before I became a parent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of in that boat too. I'm like, hmm. But yeah, once it happens, I know it's like, okay, we can evolve <laughs> with it. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I had to change my mind quite a bit while, when being a parent. <laughs> yeah, because I said so was one of my answers when they were little, and that just doesn't work at some point anymore. So then, <laughs> so, but why? Uh, because I said so. Yeah, no, no, that's not a good enough answer. Oh, because at some point they'll use your own words against you. Mm-hmm. Then you have to start thinking about, oof, I need to have better conversations. <laughs> yeah. And then the conversations go. That's all mm-hmm. good. Yeah. So is there anything new that you're doing that you would like whoever's watching to know about? Yeah. So I am currently working in um, art a little bit more and looking at bringing art into my coaching practice. Uh, So I'm having my clients that are open to it and and wanting to explore having my clients do some art therapy practices, whether it's painting, drawing, sketching, um, dancing. So as, as a performer of life and as an artist, I try to bring in as much creativity as I can um, every single day. So I've started using that with my clients and kind of seeing where that takes them. And it's had some amazing changes on people and I've seen some amazing feedback from it. And even things that weren't topic of discussion, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of weeks later, they'll come back and be like, this really helped me with this. And I've been continuing it and it's been really an eye opener. And, and that's been amazing to see you know, when we talk to somebody, it's not just the change or things aren't just happening when we speak to them. Like things continue happening yes. the next week, the next month after we, we're talking to them. And with with the art, it's also another tool that they can take home and use whenever they need that little bit of space, whenever they need that time to say, okay, I need to come back to myself or reground or yeah. take some time to just be with me for a little bit. And it's, it's a good reminder. Um, And so that's one thing that I'm kind of working on now is what I'm calling expressive insight. So how can we use expression as Mm. a way to open up those insights that we have? That is amazing. Mm. I don't think many coaches are doing that. That's the good thing about what your background. Yeah. Everybody's background comes out in coaching, which is really cool because that makes Mm. every coach different. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Really cool what you're doing. So um shall i add some things so that people can contact you yes absolutely um so on instagram that's the best way to find me it is expressive insight on instagram and then on facebook i am kiara kiara brianna which will will add to that as well um, on the video um but i'm able to be found mostly through instagram that's kind of where i i do most of my work um and connecting with people I will add that all to the video so that they can find you then. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for this conversation. I found it oh, really interesting. You. My pleasure. Learned, it was so great. It was fun. Yeah. I learned quite a few things from thinking through about what you said. This whole performance thing is cool. Really like it. So thank you. And thank you. Till some other time. Bye bye, everyone. Bye.